Well, welcome to our Wednesday night service, kind of like Bible, Bible school here on Wednesday night. And we've been dealing with the topic really since on Wednesday night, since the beginning of the year. And we're talking about living uncommon and because that's God's desire for us. He, he hasn't created any of us to be ordinary people. He desires each one of us to be extraordinary people. Amen. You're, you're extraordinary, whether you realize it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are extraordinary people with extraordinary gifts, with an extraordinary calling. You are created with extraordinary things down on the inside of you. And it's my heart as a pastor to, to help you bring those things out of you and also maybe let go of some things that's keeping that extraordinary life from coming to pass. Amen. Amen. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah 29. And, um, and this is a scripture, you know, when I, when I first started, uh, when I first started preaching and first started, you know, um, you know, getting into, you know, being a minister, this is a scripture I went to because it's really, you know, when you, um, you know, when you preach, you know, like the first time I preached, you know, I preached everything I knew in 10 minutes. So, you know, so it's over a period of time. It's like you, you, you know, you, you, you have to say, okay, Lord, what have you done in my life and make that real to other people? And, and so I want to, I want to deposit some things in our heart tonight, no matter what age you might be. I'm, and I'm, my heart is to minister to everyone, whether you've been, whether you're a, a, a youth or whether you, you've been serving God for 30, 40, 50 years. I, and I believe that, that God's going to engage us tonight and, and is really going to, to, um, reveal some things to our personal hearts because God desires about your heart more than anything else. It's not about what show you put on for me in, in, in God's house, but the Bible says that he is concerned with the hidden man of the heart. See, there's things that, 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 that you, no one else might know about, but God knows about you. He, and he wants to be personal with you, right? And, and here in Jeremiah 29, it says this, verse 11, it says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. And not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. In this verse is telling us, I know the thoughts that I have for you. God has thoughts about each one of you. He, he, when you were created, when you were in your mother's womb, Psalms 139 says he knew you. And he said, all your days were written in a book. And, and here it says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. This word thoughts for us in, the, in our English language is where we get our word machine from. I know the thoughts. The Hebrew word is where we get our word machine from. What does a machine do? A machine accomplishes a task. It has a purpose. So when God is saying to us, I know the thoughts that I have for you. He's saying, I know your purpose. I know your design. I know why I created you and I know the purpose that you will fulfill in your life. You see, this light bulb here, it's, it was created. It was, you know, Thomas Edison, you know, created the light bulb and, and he created um, amazing inventions trying to create other things. And in the process, he created so many other things trying to create one thing. And, and yet you know, he created this and, and realizing that, that within it, God, he, he created this. And the purpose was within it. When you look at this light bulb, it's, it's, it, it's glass. It has, it has metal in it. It has wires in it. It has, it has different features in it. But until it's hooked up to the right source, it will never fulfill its purpose. 
See, you can be sitting there and knowing that God's called you to do something amazing and something great, but until you tap into the source, your purpose is only an idea on the inside of you. See, the, the purpose is already on the inside of this light bulb. All you have to do is tap in, put it in the right environment, put electricity to it, and next thing you know, this is fulfilling its, the pur- fulfilling its purpose. And the same thing with you. Until you get hooked up with the source, you'll never know the fullness of what God's placed down on the inside of your life. You're created with amazing gifts and talents. You're created to make an impact in your world. You're created for influence. You know, I was listening to a, a, a message today, and it was a message I heard 21 years ago. And um, it was by a gentleman named Mal Fletcher. He was, he's from Denmark, and, and he ministers in all Western Europe. And he preached this message about what is a champion. And I love this. His definition of what a champion is, it says, anyone that chooses to stand up in their generation and say, I will be a person of influence. That's what a champion is. A champion, you know, we look at champion as someone that wins, wins medals or, or wins trophies. And, and yeah, and they have great influence. But, but as it pertains to you and I in the kingdom of God, a champion is anyone that stands up in their generation and says, I will be a person of influence. You have influence on the inside of you. If you have purpose on the inside of you, then you have influence on the inside of you. I mean, there's something down on the inside of you that is not just for you, but for other people. You have purpose on the inside of you. Let me read another scripture in Psalms 129. And Sunday morning, I dealt with this and we talked about identity. And um, such a great revelation in that, you know, talking about Esau and, and Jacob how they were labeled based on two things. Esau was labeled based on his appearance and Jacob was labeled based on our actions. And our society is constantly going to try to label us in those two things, our appearance or our actions. And, and try to fit you into this mold that God never intended you to fit in. And, and so I encourage you to go back and listen to Sunday's message. But in Psalms 129, it says this. It says, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they've not prevailed against me. You see, you have a purpose. God has a thoughts about you. He has a purpose for you. He had a purpose for Israel. But what, what was happening here, it says that from their youth, from their beginning, the enemy tried to afflict them. Meaning what? The enemy was trying to keep them from their purpose. I, I, want you, I want everyone to look at me. Look at me. See, you have to understand you have a purpose. And the distractions that you're experiencing in life. And like I said, this is, this is across the board. I'm not just talking to youth here. I'm talking to everyone and everyone watching by way of internet that you have a purpose on the inside of you. And the enemy's assignment is to keep you from that purpose. And he will, the enemy will try to distract you in a church service to keep you from hearing exactly what you need to hear. The enemy will cause temptations, will cause different ideas, cause past failures, past mistakes to keep you away from fulfilling that purpose. From your youth, the enemy wants to afflict you. Israel had a purpose. What was Israel's purpose? 
In order for us to know Israel's purpose, we have to know how did Israel begin? It began through Abraham. And what was the blessing of Abraham? That they would be a blessing, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So what is the purpose of Israel? What is the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of God's people is that we would be a blessing to the world. That is the purpose of Israel. But yet the Israel, what happened is the enemy was constantly putting Israel in bondage to do what? To keep them from being the blessing to the world. What was the purpose of Israel? Through Israel, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Meaning that the purpose of Israel is that as they look at Israel, they would see God. They would see who God is. They would see the nature of God. They would see the character of God. And yet the enemy will constantly bring temptations, distractions, and detours in our life to keep us from fulfilling that purpose. Have us so captivated by selfishness, so captivated by our personal wants and personal desires that it keeps us fulfilling our ultimate purpose. There's a purpose. Can you say this? There's a purpose in me. Now, I prayed a prayer. Let's go to Genesis chapter uh, chapter 2. I prayed a prayer at the end of worship there, and, and I talked about appetite. And um, how many, you know, you know, some of you are youth, but, you know, there, are there some things that when you were younger that, that you would not eat, but today you eat? You know, I hated peanuts. I couldn't stand peanuts, but now I love peanuts. I, I couldn't stand avocados. Don't hate me. I, I couldn't stand avocados, but now I love avocados. Just don't put guacamole on my sandwich. It's not, it's not a condiment, okay? I, I got to have something crunchy with the something that's soft. I don't want soft and soft, so I got to have something crunchy with the... Never mind, it's, it's another... It's an, the message, but but the point you ever had that that, that that sometime in your life that you start out you had a you had an appetite for things, but now you don't have an appetite for it. I mean, you used to you used to love this, but now you don't love this. I mean, I wish I could say that about ice cream, but I still love ice cream. I, I mean, I'm waiting for that feeling for the feeling of I, I just no don't want ice cream. No, I, I love ice cream. Now don't go buy me any ice cream, but. Well, if you want, I, I like this kind of, but there's things, there's appetites that we have in our life that, that, and it can work in the negative, in the positive. See, there was things in my life growing up where I knew I had a call of God on my life. I remember being at a, at a, at a young age. I remember being, um, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was 12 years of age. And I remember coming to a church service and it was, we had these camp meetings and it was in the summertime and it was something that I did not look forward to going to. I mean, it was, it, you know, if you, people think Maryland and like, oh, it's, you know, it's the Northeast. It's cool. You need to come in the summertime. I mean, it's, it's only about a five degree difference from Texas and the humidity is about 30% higher. And, you know, and, and I mean, it is, it can be really hot and humid. And we were at these open, open side meetings and, you know, mom's dragging me to these meetings. And, and yet, but there was a time when I liked going to those meetings when I was younger, 
I think it was maybe because we had cheeseburgers afterwards. I'm not sure. But, but eventually my appetite to go was no longer there. But I remember being in this particular meeting and they called all the youth up to this meeting and, and I'm standing there and I've got this attitude and I'm like folding my hands and I'm like, okay, they called all the youth and I'm like, what, what are we doing up here? And I'm like, I just want to, I want to go home and I, I could be playing baseball with my friends. I could be doing this and and all that. And, and so, but, but yet something happened and I was standing up there at 12 years of age and, and, and I got quiet, even though I didn't want to be there, but yet all of a sudden I could feel something here that I knew God was there. And I remember these, this husband and I don't know if her husband and wife, but I know it was a male and a female and they're standing behind me because they had people pray for youth and, and they're praying behind me. And, and I hear the lady say to the man and says, he's going to be a preacher. And I'm like, no, he's not. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. That was, that's what I wanted to be. I want I, I, I want, I wanted to play professional soccer. I wanted to play for the Baltimore Blast. It was an indoor soccer team. And I, I wanted to play for the indoor soccer was big at one point years ago. But anyway, but, and, and so, and so, so I'm listening to them and, but yet as he starts saying things, all of a sudden I start crying. I don't know why I'm crying. And, and even though I didn't yield my life to God at that point, and because I had other things that were more important yet that all of a sudden that voice, he's going to be a preacher would come back to me. And, and all of a sudden it would, it would feed me just a little bit, but yet I didn't have a full blown appetite for it. And there's times where we can have an appetite for things like you, you may have had an appetite for God at one point, but you don't have that appetite today. Maybe you didn't have an appetite for God at one time in your life, but now you have an appetite for God. What is appetite? Appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need. It is a strong desire for something to affect you physically. That's what an appetite is. Appetite, your appetite can either make your life better or it can destroy your life. What do you have a desire for? Because your desire will be the very thing that will either keep you from God's purpose or carry you to God's purpose. What do you have an appetite for? You see, throughout the scripture, food became a big deal. Natural things became desires that hindered people from fulfilling their purpose. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2. Are you with me? Genesis chapter 2. And let's look at Adam and Eve in the garden. See... They were created in God's image. They, they were clothed with glory and honor. They had, they had, they had, they walked with God in the garden. But let's look at this and, 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 and things that the environment that they were put in. And the Lord God planted, this is uh, chapter two, verse eight. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every truth Truth. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Say, say this pleasant to sight and good for food. Man, this is some good looking fruit. 
Now, this was not an apple tree. We don't know what kind of tree this is. We don't know what kind of tree. We just know it was pleasant to look at and it was good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there was two trees, tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you had all these other trees that were pleasant to look at and good for food. I like good food. How about you? And God says, so God takes his, his creation, puts them in this perfect environment. See, it doesn't matter what environment that you might be in. You always have opportunities for something to take away the right appetite. I mean, you can raise your kids in a bubble. You can put them in, in different environments. You can do different things. But the enemy is still the enemy. And they were in the perfect environment. They didn't have, hey, they just, all God said is just dress it and keep it. (laughs) That's all they had to do. Everything was taken care of. Perfect environment. But the enemy has the ability to move you out of the position where God called you. The enemy has the ability to pull you away from your purpose based on your appetite. So what happened here? What happened is they stopped hanging out and hanging around the right tree. You see, the wrong tree. See, they had all those other trees and there's only one tree they weren't to eat from. Why didn't they hang out with the other 3,000 trees in the garden? They just chose the one that they weren't supposed to hang out at. So the appetite for the thing that they weren't supposed to have is what they had an appetite for instead of everything else that was pleasant to look at and good for food. Why? Because the enemy is a punk. The enemy is a punk and he was wants to do what? He wants to keep you from your purpose, but he's going to use your appetites. What do you have a desire for? It will either create greatness in you or it would destroy your greatness. All on appetite. What are you hungry for? What are you desiring for? So here they had, they had amazing things, but yet they chose to hang out at this very thing that they weren't supposed to have. And I'm telling the enemy, he's the same. He always will get to you through your appetites. What you desire, what you want, what others have. And so what happened here? We, we know, let's look at chapter three, verse one. It says, now, now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature in the field, which the Lord God had made. And this, and Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? See, this is how the enemy works. Did, did God really say that, Susan? Did God really say that, that you can't really eat it? See, God, the enemy always wants to come and question the right appetite. Did God really say that? And verse two says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now think about this here. God never said they couldn't touch it. She said, they said, don't eat it. I, I get a picture of, of Satan here and, and he's, I mean, this is the only fruit I had. Okay. So strawberry. So 
Now think about it. I, I, I can kind of get an image of, of Satan. You know, at this time he had feet. He, he wasn't a snake yet. He wasn't cursed yet. And, and here I, I believe that he's, I believe this was a long conversation. I don't believe this was just one conversation. I believe it was something that happened little by little, little by little. These conversations, did God really say that? Did God really say that if you really eat this, then, you know, and, and then Satan's like, well, well, God just doesn't want you to be like him. Well, wait a minute. They were already like him. They were already like him. See, the enemy always wants to de- deceive you out of who you truly, truly are. And I can just get a picture of Satan just like, hmm, I'm, I'm touching it and nothing's happening to me. I'm, I'm touching it. Huh. Man, that's a good looking berry. Wow. You see, you know, you can't really, now see, I can, I can, I can hold on to this Eve, but you know, you can't touch it and you can't eat it because you know, God's really selfish and he doesn't want you to have fun. God's really selfish and he doesn't, he doesn't want you to, you know, what happened over a period of time, her appetite for what she really shouldn't have. All of a sudden now she had a greater appetite for it. And why? Because she loved God. Love God? Yeah. So much so that she wanted to be like God. But she already was. So because of appetite, it took away the glory and honor they were clothed with. They were clothed with something extraordinary. They were clo- If you looked at them, you couldn't tell the difference between them and God. But it all changed based on appetite. What's your appetite? Your appetites will destroy you. Your wants will destroy you. All based on food. Let's look, look at Genesis chapter 25. Are you with me? Now here they had the Adam and Eve had the glory of God, clothed in the glory of God, but they lost it based on their appetite. But why their appetite changed? They hung out at the wrong tree. Look at verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, I beg of you, let me have some of the red lentil stew to eat, but I am faint and famished. This is why his name was called Edom, which means red. Jacob answered and said, then sell me today your birthright. Esau said, see here, I'm at the point of death. What good can this birthright do me? Jacob said, swear to me today that you, uh, that you are selling it to me. And he swore to Jacob and sold him his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils and he ate and he drank and he rose up, went his way. Now listen, thus Esau scorned his birthright as beneath his notice. Now, I don't have any stew, but I got peanut butter. Now think this is his birthright, the birthright. This birthright to a, to a firstborn son was everything, meaning, meaning it, I'm almost just as powerful as my father. And here he is, because he was hungry, he had an appetite for something 
meaning he devalued his birthright. The birthright was everything, Dylan. It gave him access to inheritance. It gave him access to everything that his kingdom, his father's kingdom had, and he let it go for a bowl of beans. Not realizing the birthright gave him the ability to get anything that he wanted and other servants could bring him stuff that he needed. But yet in that moment in time, he forfeited something amazing for a bowl of beans. I'm telling you, there's some great things I forfeited in my life for something like a bowl of beans. And we all have. There's things that we've settled for and we let go of something extraordinary for something that just happens in a moment. Your appetites will either make you or they'll break you. He lost his appetite for what was valuable. To embrace something that wasn't valuable. I know youth, young people, you know, all of us, adults, I mean, we're all faced with temptations. We're all faced with things that, that will sell out something great for just something that's mediocre. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Drugs, sex, finances, jobs, wealth, none of that is worth my birthright. I think it's not. It's not, and, and it's not, and, and for you and I, it's not a laughing matter. It's not something that we push aside. No, no, this is a big deal. And the enemy wants you to think that everything else is, is great and God's not. And what that thought is, is you have an appetite that's changed and you're going to lose your birthright. Um, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verse 16. I'll read this in the Passion Translation. Remember, we were talking about Esau, right? You can say, right? Amen. Talk to me. I'll make you do jumping jacks or something here. Verse 16 says, now listen to this. Be careful that no one among you lives in immorality, becoming careless about God's blessing, like Esau who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. And we know that later on, when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with bitter tears, for it was too late then to repent. Now you're like, well, well, Genesis was Old Testament. Well, hey, this is New Testament. And yet it brings up Esau. Immorality. The, the NIV says this, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance right as his oldest son. See, there's something that we have to embrace within scripture that God has to be the priority in our lives. And if we've lost our appetite for God, then we need to check ourselves. Because if we don't check ourselves, you might lose something. Something that you don't want to lose. 
Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. An appetite. Verse 1 says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Say hungered. So that's dealing with appetite, right? What you have an appetite for, what you like to eat. And verse 3 says, And the devil said to him, The devil said to him, Tell you, the enemy is going to speak to you. Why? He wants, he wants to affect your appetite. Here, Satan spoke to him. He goes, if you be the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Now, here we've got banana, banana nut bread muffin here. Here he was hungry. And this is Jesus we're talking about. In the chapter before this, hey, a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. What, what did the immediately, immediately the Satan do? If you be the son of God. Wait a minute. A voice from heaven just said he was. It's the same thing with Adam and Eve. Made in the image of God. God, God doesn't want you to be like him. If you be the son of God, Satan is the same thing. He's, what does he do? He's coming to him at his appetite. And the enemy is always going to come to you at your appetite. What you desire. So take this stone and turn it into bread. Take this stone and turn it into bread. And what does Jesus say? It is written. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Look at me. Look at me. Every word of God. Meaning, it didn't say that you don't eat bread. Meaning, he goes, I need more than natural food. Meaning, you need to get a greater appetite for the word of God, just like you do the food that you like to eat. That's what he's saying here. He was saying, he, he goes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Where is your appetite with the word of God? If you don't have an appetite for the word of God, I want to encourage you. Start reading just a scripture a day. Start reading for just one minute a day. Start, start somewhere. Because until you start feeding yourself something different, you'll never gain that appetite back. Start somewhere. I'm encourage you to get that appetite back for the word of God. Because I'm telling you, the enemy, the world, the world's trying to constantly shape us and fit us into a certain mold and give us an identity we were never meant to have. But what happens if we don't put God's word into place, then what's happening? We're not going to have the appetite to receive what we need so we truly know who we are. And he goes on and, and, and Satan constantly comes with these two other temptations and he goes, he goes, all this power is given unto me. This is verse six. 
and glory of them for that is delivered to me and to whomever I will, I give it. If, if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only thou shalt serve. Him only, him only, him only, him only. I'm telling you that we have temptations every day to serve something other than God. Him only you shall serve. What's your appetite? What are you serving? What you're serving will either make you or break you. And then he says this in verse 10, verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you be the son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he was like, what? Hey, just bring yourself up here. You know what? And God, just jump off. And God's going to save you. And Jesus says, no, it's said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. I want to encourage you. And how does this relate to us? Your appetite will put you in a position where all of a sudden you think, I'll be okay. Or it's no big deal. Or, you know, God will... God, God will do this, or God will do that, or God will do this. What is that doing? That's no different than tempting the Lord thy God. Well, I'm just going to continue in this. I'm just going to continue in this sin. I'm going to continue to do these things that I know that are wrong. I'm going to continue in this lifestyle that I know deep down isn't right. And what is that? That's no different than tempting the Lord thy God. But everything's based on appetite, Vic. What are you hungry for? My heart as your pastor tonight is stir a hunger in you for the things of God. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is a smoke screen. Everything else has a, has a shelf life. It's kind of like, you know, that, that Tootsie Pop, you know, uh, the old commercial, you know, it's like the, the guy would take the Tootsie Pop and he'd, he, he'd suck on it and all of a sudden he'd get to the stick and there's nothing left. That, and that's what, I know it's a simple illustration, but that's what the world is like. You're left with just a stick. I'm going to close with this. Go to First John chapter 2. First John chapter two, you're getting something out of this tonight. Hmm. I, just had, I just saw something in my heart. I'm going to do real quick. CJ, can I, can I use you? Give me two chairs. Thank you, Father. It's it's all good. All right, I want you to I want you to um, stand on the 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 chairs here. One one foot on one and one on the other. All right, I want to get a picture of this. James chapter one. James chapter one. uh, I believe it might be verse six, verse eight. It says this, a double-minded man is unstable 
in all his ways. And I encourage you that we, I, I had, in my life, I, I came to a place where I had two appetites. I had an appetite for things of God, but I, well, I had an appetite for the things of the world and everything the world offered, but yet there was a part of me that knew I was supposed to have an appetite for God. Vic and Joseph, I want you to come here. Now, get a picture of this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and so what happens in life, and you get on one side, you get on the other. You, Joseph, you get here. Vic, you get over here. And when you feed, when you feed an appetite, whatever you feed is going to make, it, make you stronger in one area or the other. So when I give in to the appetite of my flesh... When a double-minded man is unstable and is all his ways, now take this chair and start moving it this way. Or, but, but you know, it's, it's Wednesday night and, you know, I, it's got, I got to put my church face on and, you know, um, well, and, and so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to church. Okay, so Joseph, you move them that way a little bit. And, and so you go through life and, and you're, you know, you're at the workplace and, and there's some things going around and, and there's some things going on and there's things that they're talking or maybe things that happen after work and, and things are going, you know, like, you know what, I, I, you know, I probably should do this, but, you know, I think I'm going to go out with, with the guys and, or, you know, you know, there is that, you know, I am married, but, you know, my coworker, you know, she is pretty and we, she, you know, we, you know, I, I think we can just, we can just have a friendly lunch, you know, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's just lunch, right? And, and so, and so the next thing you know, what a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you move, move that chair that way. Um, that's a big one. Move that a little farther. That's, you got to move that a little farther. So, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, it's Saturday night and, and, um, you know, you're in the club and it's, you know, you're, you know, it's just whatever you do in a club. I don't know. But, but the point is your mind is you're, you're focused on something, your appetite, you want something, or, you know, you're at that computer screen and no one's around and you're at a laptop and, and you hear noise. Oh, I got to shut it real quick. Cause I'm afraid someone's going to see me looking at what I'm looking at. And, and, and so, so we got to move the chair again because see that's appetite. I'm, I'm feeding that appetite. But then, you know, that was Saturday night, but here, you know, it's like Sunday morning and, you know, I've got, I've got to go to church and, and, you know, I got to put my suit on and my tie. So I look spiritual and, and, you know, I do, I do, God, I do love you. And, but I like that too. And, and there's this constant war on the inside of you and what a double-minded man is unstable and is all his ways. So we can bring the chair a little bit that way. Well, it's Sunday morning, so we'll make it a little farther. <laughs> You see, what happens is, is eventually you can't stand. Eventually you're gonna, you're gonna either go one way or the other. Eventually you're either gonna go all into one or all into the other. Either God's gonna get majority of your life or, or the world's gonna get a majority of your life. And, and it, and it's all said and done, you're gonna be hurting inside if you constantly feed the appetite of your flesh. Thank you guys. And let me close with this scripture. First John chapter two. I mean, a lot of good verses here. Um, thank you, Lord. Verse 14, sake of time. I'll just read the King James. It says, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. 
And I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abide in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So I'm writing to you fathers because you've known him from the beginning. And I've written unto you young men because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you and you've overcome the wicked one. So what caused the young man to be strong and what caused the old man or the fathers to be strong? The fathers were strong here because they knew God and you can only know God through his word. And how were the young men strong? Because they abided in the word. Because the word of God abided in them and you have overcome the wicked one. Meaning, it's me having the word of God in me that's going to cause me. It's the word of God abiding in me that's going to cause me to overcome. So bottom line, I need to have an appetite for the word of God because it's an appetite for the word of God that's going to cause me to be strong and to not be overcome. And then it says this. And you have overcome the wicked one. Then it says, love not the world. You can say this, don't have an appetite for the world. Don't have an appetite for the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Every one of Jesus' temptations, each one of them were one of these. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. For all that is in the world. And it says, the world passes away. Now, listen, I'll close with it. The world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So if I have an appetite for the things of the world, I need you to know that those things pass away. But yet, if I have an appetite for God, things forever. I don't know about you, but I like the sound of forever. I like the sound of forever. How about you? So what do you have an appetite for? Let's have an appetite for the word. Let's have an appetite for the things of God. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe the Spirit of God is in this place. I believe that your heart was open and I believe you've received some things tonight. Just close your eyes. And just right now, I want you to get personal. I'm not going to ask you to do something, expose your sin or expose your faults or expose. This is something personal. Because each one of us know 
an area in our life where we might not have the appetite for God that we should. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm being honest. There's maybe some areas in my life that, that you know what, I, I need to have a greater appetite for God when it comes to that particular thing. Just right, just, just right now, right where you are. This, this is serious, okay? Thank you, Father. CJ, can you come up and play, please, the guitar? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you, Father. We praise you. Father, we open our hearts to you. I, I just please hear me. I just have an urgency on the inside of my heart. That God wants to not have a surface relationship with you. But he want, wants to have a deep relationship with you. He's not out for you having a a relationship in name only. He's not out for you to have a, a, a relationship with um, that, like a show that you put on in front of other people. No, he wants a personal relationship with you. And I have this urgency on the inside of me. If all, all you need to say tonight is, Lord, I open my heart to you. Maybe if all you say under your breath and in your heart and mean it and say, even if you say, Lord, I, I'm sorry that I haven't given you the right place in my life. Maybe it's, I'm sorry, I've, I've put everything else in front of you. Maybe you can just say, Lord, I desire you more than anything else. And help me walk that out, Lord. This is not about being perfect. This is not a walking in perfection. This is nothing to do with that. It's not it being in a place where you never mess up or never make a mistake or where you always do the right thing. It has nothing to do with that. God, God, it just wants your heart turned towards Him. That's all. And I'm telling you, he, he will, He will, if you open your heart to Him, I'm telling you, He will come in like a flood and He will, He will work little by little in your heart. He will perfect your heart. It's not about perfecting anything. This is about just saying, Lord, I desire you more than anything else. And help me, Father. Help me to, when I'm faced with different things, to help me to choose you over the other things. Help me to choose you. Help me to, to choose the right tree and hanging at the right tree and not hanging out at the wrong tree. Help me to have the right relationships, not the wrong relationships. Help me to choose the, 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 the eternal and not the temporary. Oh, 
we give you our hearts tonight. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Work a work in us. Work a work in us, Father. Create in us a clean heart, as David said in Psalm 51. Take a step towards him tonight. Just take a step. Take a step towards him tonight because he has a great purpose on the inside of you. And don't let the enemy keep that purpose from being fulfilled in your life. you pray this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I desire you. I open my heart to you. Help me to follow after you. Thank you, Father, for the purpose that you have placed on the inside of me. I thank you, Father, that you will complete what you started in me. I love you, Lord, and I follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you receive this tonight? Amen. Well, give him a shout of praise. Thank you for your, thank you for your receptivity. Thank you for just your, your heart and, and listening. I really believe that each one of us received something special in our hearts tonight.